first cold open ever. <laughs> so I like how we. I was gonna say. So I like how in real time, three and a half minutes ago, we said like, "Yeah, let's get the show started," and then we started talking about how PGA golf is coming out and all that. The this perfect warm awesome. up. This is us. Like, <laughs> hey, let's talk wrestling. By the way, PGA golf and Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> I don't know if we'll leave those parts in, but just the perfect, the perfect way to kick off a wrestling podcast with the two of us. Welcome back, everybody, yet again to another edition of the Second Turnbuckle Podcast. My name is Dookie, joined as always by the incomparable Crash Andrews. What's the best up? there is, the best there was. <laughs> Crash Andrews. <laughs> You know what? I will say there's nothing like seeing our truth in action live when you get to yell out what's up to his intro. <laughs> that that audience participation just puts him over the edge, you know what I mean? WWE main event legend, our truth. I'm not talking about a spot on the card, I'm talking about the TV show. His main event run was amazing. I'll I'm going to say it. Him versus he Cena indoors in England. Him versus Cena. I mean, could he do that with anybody else? Eh, debatable. But his main event run was was amazing. Was well, pretty good. It, memorable, memorable at the very least. I think that's the biggest compliment you can give it. Speaking of memorable, Crash. Today's show, we have a lot to talk about. We are going to forego the mailbag due to a variety of different talking points. And I am going to have you lead the show. I would say there are three big things to talk about. So I will turn this into, rather than a quiz for you, a choose your own adventure. <laughs> On page 23. If you want to go left, go to page 23. If you want to go right, go to page 57. I loved those books growing up. I oh, really yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. So we'll go. Uh, let's make a deal style. Door one, oh, man. door two, or door number three. Which door do you think I'm going to be the least cranky with? Ooh, the least cranky? Door yeah. number one. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, let's go door number two then. <laughs> now we'll give you the option to change it or exchange it for this Rolex watch. Nope. No, door number two. Okay, so door number two. Let's kick the show off today by talking about Extreme Rules and the aftermath on Raw last night. So, in general, Crash, sum up your thoughts on Extreme Rules barring the final five minutes. Gotcha. Um, Average. There were some ups, there were some downs. They all can't be winners. They all aren't losers. It, uh, I think the best way I can put it without getting too much into the last five minutes is it served its purposes where it needed to, and I'm actually very interested to see where they go from here. Um... Once we get into the raw, I'm sure we'll we'll talk more about it. But the raw was a nice reset button for some, a nice establishment for others, like a, a continuing to establish feuds and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there there are some storylines that I completely understand why they happened. Um, there's some storylines that I wish happened differently, but at the end of it, uh, uh, I think for me. It was the White Rabbit. It was the last five minutes. Where was it going to happen? You know, that that was just kind of a cloud that just hovered over it. And there was really only the one match, the um, the uh, the six, the six man or the three man tag um, at the beginning. Yeah, that really elevated past that cloud. Everything else kind of hung underneath. Um, That's not necessarily a negative. But. Uh, and as we talked about on the last uh, podcast, we knew it was going to happen at the end of the pay-per-view. Like, there was really no no other way that it could have gone. 
I would again, I would have loved to have seen like little snippets, little like digital like, oh, like mess ups and, you know, a little bit more control over the show. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, I don't collect a paycheck from WWE. So it happened the way that it happened. And did I enjoy the last five minutes? No. Am I glad Bray hmm. White's back? Yes. So, all right. I don't know. So call me a hypocrite. We'll, we'll go in, in depth on that here in a second. Yeah, yeah. I will say I, I, I kind of agree. Um, extreme rules. There is obviously a very heightened sense of excitement regarding the WWE product. Rightfully so. Extreme rules, though, fair share of hits and misses, right? Like that opener, gigantic hit. You let six great wrestlers go out and have a good wrestling match. Obviously, it's going to be good. Um, Ronda and Liv was a bit rough around the edges, to say the least. Can I I just quickly jump in there? Mm -hmm. Ronda Rousey is not a good professional wrestler. I don't know if that's a hot take. And they have put her into a situation where she she can't be the one who carries matches anymore. And you've got Liv Morgan, who I absolutely adore, but still is green in that spot. And you put her into a match with somebody who needs a little bit more uh, protection in the ring. Let's use the 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 term that Coco brought up last uh, podcast. Who needs a little bit more protection? In WWE, it's Ronda Rousey. She is an mm. absolute ticket. She, you want to see her in the ring. You want to see more of her. But every big match that she's had, there has been issues. And almost that lack of believability to the point that. Have we ever seen a stellar one on one Ronda Rousey match? And I say one-on-one because I think the only stellar match that I would love to go back and watch again, and I wish it was with The Rock, but with her and Kurt Angle versus Triple Mm. H and Steph. That was a fantastic match. That served absolute purpose, and it was because Ronda Rousey wasn't in the ring for 100% of it. Yeah, I mean, given my, my limited watch time, over really what's been like the duration of her main roster career. Yeah, that's that's the one match that really jumps out to me is like, oh yeah, I remember this match and then not a whole hell of a lot else. I mean the women's triple threat main event at WrestleMania that was you know, the, the crowd was exhausted because they had been there for seven hours comes to mind, but it, I wouldn't have called that a great match. It was a great opportunity. So it was yeah. great for Charlotte and uh and Becky. Like yeah. those two put on an amazing show and had to protect Ronda Rousey. Right. Speaking of someone needing more protection, Karrion Cross, where that strap match was just kind of there. It was just yeah. there. That I, I equate that strap match to like what an impact main event would have been in 2015. <laughs> That's what I like that it. felt like. I like Not it. saying it's necessarily bad. Oh, just there. Well, thank Um, God it wasn't main event either, because by that time, I think we really started to see this pay-per-view as the the evening of bad finishes, as far as I'm concerned. Like that, again, we we talk about kind of the investment and where we're at and everything, and just everything started to deflate for the from there for me, give or take a few uh, a few things that uh, obviously we're going to talk to if we're going chronological order. Did I, I just, I'm, I'm not a fan of the 15 to 20 minute good, and I'm, I'll, I'll use quotation fingers on this one, good wrestling match, because the strap match, two meaty men slapping me hmm. together, um, and then that finish with Scarlett getting involved where I don't remember if she got involved any other time during the match. Like, if she's a constant pain, and then she causes the finish, yeah, I'll buy into it. But then it's, if it's just she jumps into the ring, and then one, two, three, like, uh, to me, that that seems a little, that seems a little cheap. You had the women's ladder match, which was fine. The problem is it's a ladder match in 2020. I'd, I'd love to meet someone who is not burned out on the concept of the ladder match at this point. Holy hell. Like I just it, 
I can't imagine what any promotion in the world would have to do to get me to be interested in the ladder match at this stage. Like the concept has just been, it is the most overused stipulation match in wrestling and has been for years. Yeah, and I think expectations go to an absolute 10 with those as well. And Bianca Belair did some very impressive things, as we've talked about in previous matches as well. Um, I, I wasn't angry with that match at all. At all. You like, had... It, it served its purpose, as we said. Half an hour between uh, Finn Balor and his weird pointy gimp mask against Edge. <laughs> That wasn't Yeezus? <laughs> I thought that was Kanye. No, Kanye is busy getting fucking rightfully buried by MJF on Twitter because <laughs> Kanye is a gigantic piece of shit. Was that my behind God. one of the doors? <laughs> if, you want, if you want my take on this, you can be mentally unwell and a scumbag. The first doesn't disqualify the second. No. Kanye West is a piece of shit. There you go. Hot take. And MJF tried to call well, him out. I'll risk on that one too. You can be a scumbag and think you're a genius, maybe not mentally unwell, but not quite reading the room either. And really, it's like C spot run when you're talking about Jewish people when you're black. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, you know, I'll use my white privilege right now and just stop this conversation. Uh, but I don't think he's mentally unwell, but I, I do also think that he, he reads his own material a little too much. Fair. Uh, that I quit match was probably too long. I get the idea. You want to drag it out to really set the stage for the gravitas of the ending of it. Um, it's the first time the judgment day have actually looked competent in any way, shape or form as a stable. So from a storytelling perspective, Best match of the night in that regard. Yeah, again, I I didn't necessarily enjoy the finish. I get the build of Finn wasn't going to give up. Edge wasn't going to give up. So why not bring in uh, Edge's wife, Beth Phoenix, and make him give up with his heart instead of anything else? I I enjoyed every moment of that match, including seeing Rhea Ripley and Beth Phoenix in the ring. I hope that develops into something. Mm. But I don't know. There's just something about an I quit match where you bring in. It should be a physical. Like, I even love the finish where uh, The Rock used a audio clip of Mankind to get out of that match. To me, that was a better finish than what we saw. This weekend. And then the main event where uh smiling Matt Riddle uh puts on his really? serious face once Seth Rollins music hits. I can't stand that. I cannot fucking stand that. I thought about um, you when he was coming down the ring. He wasn't on his scooter though. Yes, improvements. Um honestly, I, I gotta be honest, this match was a bit of a mess too. Yep. Um convoluted. Uh Daniel Cormier while I adore him, added absolutely nothing to this. Yep. Um, the idea of there's a platform, but by the rules of the match, you're not supposed to be on the platform. Just it, it was it was a mess of a match. Yep. It really was. Um, it, yeah, just just disappointing in a general sense. A lot of the big spots, too, just didn't feel right. Like. Seth Rollins climbing up the cage for the elbow drop. Or no, was it elbow drop or was it a frog splash? Frog splash. Yeah. Oh, by the way, shout out to his gear, though. RVD, right. the shout out in Philly, I thought was fantastic. I agree. Um, but um, no, uh, there was nothing about this. I was actually shocked to hear that this was the main event. I don't know what you would have put in. The, you know Okay, so looking back, knowing the last five minutes, which we'll talk about in just a little bit, the Judgment Day match wouldn't have worked. But if that wasn't there, I would have rather seen Finn and Edge in that match. And that's the closing of the pay-per-view. That would have added a little bit more to it for me that I could have been like, okay, that was a way to get out of the pay-per-view. But when I heard that it was... Um, Riddle and uh, Seth Rollins closing the match or closing the pay-per-view. 
outside of what you t- I'm going to keep throwing back to the other <laughs> podcast, but outside of your idea on uh, last week's podcast, this was not a main event closer of a pay-per-view. It, it just it didn't have that feel. I mean, especially when Riddle's lost to him twice already, you know? Yeah. Yep. So the senton, the the rever- what is this a senton when you? Yeah, that was gross. The landing of it, that was. Uh, yeah. That was something. Well, he, and I mean, they even mentioned it, but he was not confident in his jump. I don't know if that would have helped at all because it would have added another foot or two, but he was not confident in that jump at all. And Seth Rollins is lucky that he actually didn't land on his ribs or on his stomach or whatever. Like the the mm. fact that they got away with that move, uh, from what I understand, unscathed, uh, is amazing. So all of that, an average pay per view, leads to the final five minutes. Uh, you know, you have the NXT fake out with the signature in the bottom. Michael Cole feigning confusion over whether or not the show was off the air, which I have to be completely honest. Very cringe. Very Mm -hmm. cringe. Mm -hmm. And then three minutes or so of here's an arena shot. Zoom in on the character in the crowd. Zoom in on the arena. Zoom in on the character in the crowd. (laughs) Do this four times, five, four times, five, five times, because it's the four puppets. And then they did the fiend. Booker T proud man. Extreme rules. And it leads to a video being played. And then the emergence of Bray Wyatt in a spoopy new mask. Not quite fiend esque, Saying I'm here. Blowing out the lantern. End show. Crash Andrews, your thoughts. If I wanted to see a high school musical at Halloween, I would have gone to my son's high school for that musical on Halloween. It was terrible. Take okay, first off. Take away the fact that Bray Wyatt's back. I'm excited for it. I love Bray Wyatt. I love what he brings. I love the whole buildup of the White Rabbit to this. So I can understand why people just absolutely absorb this because it was Bray Wyatt. I get it. I'm not discounting that. I'm not taking that away from you. The mascots looked chintzy. They did not look high quality at all. I hope we never see them again. I think Huskis, the the pig, was probably mm-hmm. the closest looking to like a real life version of it. Everything else looked like a mascot at best. Um I don't know if you read the dirt sheets, hit your bingo sheet for that. Um <laughs> Sister Abigail actually had a reference um oh, I'm having my brain fart now. There's another bingo cheat um the the guy who passed away that was in the Wyatt family oh Brody Lee yeah Brody Lee uh there he actually uh whoever was sister Abigail actually wore one of the bludgeon brothers masks under Hmm. the veil um good catch didn't notice well I read dirt sheets it (laughs) it popped up there (laughs) good catch by whoever caught it you're right notice (laughs) uh for me I would have loved the connection to what we saw over the past month with White Rabbit. I would have rather heard that song and then heard Bray Wyatt's voice. The the doorway that was there, also another Brody Lee shout out because when he was um, announced as the Exalted One, it had that same blue hue spinning Mm -hmm. light kind of thing, which was cool. I'll give him props for that. That door looked like it was just made out of plywood and made that day. And you could have done a lot more with your screen, your Jumbotron, 
except for that light, probably. It just, it felt like they knew where they were going to go, they just ran out of money. To me. <laughs> like, like I say, like it felt like a high school musical where you don't get full production value. So, at the end of it, I was left unsatisfied with the whole thing. Like I said, like there's ways that I, I would have done it, not being an employee of WWE, but to me, not including White Rabbit or a White Rabbit or something to that effect. It kind of makes me think there's something else here that that wasn't White Rabbit. And if it was, you didn't connect it at all. So, yeah, it was it was very cool to see Bray Wyatt back in WWE. I didn't like that it ended the way that it did and he didn't get in the ring and didn't cause anything and it was just a little too perfect. And then on the other side of it, it looked like it ran out of money. That's to me, it looked like they blew their budget and just made do. I think that's a fair point that I didn't really consider is, you know, you put all that hype into the song. Like, the build-up to this was fantastic. It's one of the best things WWE's done in a very, very long time. But that's a fair point, right? What was the big part of this song? Or what was the big part of the, the deal is the song. And then you just don't have the song factored in whatsoever. And I don't know. I can't help but compare it to the CM Punk return. Oh, excuse me. He who shall not be named. <laughs> the other guy. The other one. Yeah, there's two of them now. Um, God, if we start doing that, there'd, there'd be a lot of people that shouldn't be named in the wrestling business. Um, sure. It's just one of those things where it's like everyone knew he was returning at Rampage. He did. And it wasn't just a, I'm back. Peace. <laughs> Tune in next week. Tune in on Friday. You know, like you actually heard a little bit. And I get that it's like, well, we're saving that for Friday. Like, hey, you watch the pay-per-view. We got you got what we said you'd get. And now tune in on Friday. And I'm not saying that's the worst way to handle it. But I am saying it was rather unsatisfying to just be like, he look at it's Bray Wyatt. Good night. You know, yeah. like I think I messaged you on this too. Like the MJF return mm. was done way better. With a lot less production value. Mm. Like all it was was the recording. the <laughs> Or a recording of Tony Khan saying, hey, you know, you've got your money. You can come back. I'm going to get Tony you a Khan spot. Tony Khan reading a script. <laughs> Basically, right? Um, imagine you get Vince. Imagine you get Vince. Like Listen talking here, about pal. like. You got yeah. your fucking money. You're all out of good shit. <laughs> but yeah it just but with MJF we saw him in the ring we just kind of didn't know that it was him until it was revealed at the end right. and then my only my only negative with MJF was he didn't get in the ring he didn't get physically involved mm. he just stood up at the ramp and was like hi it's still me which right. we got with Bray Wyatt. Like, if you're going to make an epic return, you got to punch somebody in the face. That's, to me, that's that's how it works, right? Yeah, I got that. So, you know, like I said, in general, I'm not like, oh, they... It's like, okay, they gave what was advertised, essentially, right? I'm mm -hmm. good with that. At the same time... There wasn't that drastic. It, it felt so similar to what we've already seen before of spooky shit. Here's Bray Wyatt. <laughs> and that's just kind of it. When they when they were lowering the cage and they had that overview, uh, the camera angle pointing down, I was like, oh, mm. Tubi's going to mm. get worms in the middle of the mm -hmm. ring. <laughs> so a big part of it is I think that return will age well like it was one of the, it was a great all-time reaction but that return will age well if they hit on the follow-up and we don't know if they will smackdown yeah i mean smackdown's very very important for the sake of this character the next hey. i mean six you know the next six months are incredibly important for this character but just based on you saying that though 
and I know it wasn't a return necessarily, but when you think of Hulk Hogan walking out of Bash at the Beach, is there any moment in from when he walks out to when Mean Gene Okerlund is interviewing him and the Outsiders? Is there any moment where you can remember where like the package that they showed was edited when they did the replays? Do you know what I mean? Like from when Hogan walks out all the way through was such a the timing of everything was perfect. The vibe was perfect. The turn was perfect. And the interview afterwards was perfect. So when Nitro the next night needed to show what happened the night before, they showed the whole thing. Mm. This, I agree with you, will age better because it will cut out some of the cringe things like the head on the announce table. And yeah, Michael right. We didn't even mention that him. the first oh. time. It was just... <laughs> yeah. Where did that come from? Come on. Michael Cole. What the hell? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like come on. Um, that said, speaking of follow-up, I don't know how much you watched about Raw. Of course, it was the kind of a new era in a sense. Like they announced the commentary shifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Smith no longer with the company. Um, you had Bobby Lashley. Having one hell of a night, losing the United States title to Seth Rollins, you know, because Rollins loses at the pay-per-view, but you got to get his heat back. Mm-hmm. That's fucking stupid. That's a Vince McMahonism right there. That happens under Vince's watch. It's a complaint. Now, all of a sudden, it happens under Paul's watch. It's okay. No, that was fucking stupid. I'm sorry. No, I, it was. I, I get why they did it, and you're going to explain it with what you're going to say next. About because what happened you on transfer Bobby Lashley to a... Return program with Brock Lesnar, who took time out of his busy schedule of farming, fucking beheading deer with his bare hands, <laughs> preparing for the harvest to have a program with Bobby Lashley. I want to see. This is where you and I are, are good buds. I want to see Brock Lesnar have a beer with Daryl Sutter. <laughs> Just talk farming. Yeah, let's talk nothing about hockey or pro wrestling. Just no, talk about, just about hay, corn, <laughs> tractor maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be there. Like, how do you get the big tire off the track? Oh, just pick it up, take it I off. Use you my know? hands, <laughs> jacked white boy. <laughs> how do you use it? Oh, I get my five brothers to help me. <laughs> <laughs> the Sutter family farm. All the brothers working in harmony. Yep. Holy shit. Uh, oh, yeah, and think, uh, Luke Gowles and Carl Anderson returned, and I couldn't fucking care less. They are two of the biggest who gives a shit X-Pac heat. Like, I don't call it X-Pac heat. I call it the Good Brothers heat. I see them, I turn the fucking channel, or I stop the stream. I'm I'm giving you a trigger warning right now. I'm going to get very close to the mic and very angry. Okay. Just give us the WWE version of Bullet Club and get AJ, Finn, and the Good Brothers back together and let them DX shit all over WWE ASAP. I disagree. Okay. For the sole purpose that the Bullet Club has been going for 10 years now, just about. New Japan's beating it up to death. Jeff yeah. Jarrett's been in the Bullet Club. Like I it just, I, just the the term them, the term Bullet Club. Uh, ugh. Let them Second wave on the list. Let behind th- the Good Brothers directly. <laughs> <laughs> Let them wave like uh, Fallon, like the Jimmies, the late night Jimmies. They would wave with their no. It was um, it was Jimmy Fallon and. Uh, Craig Ferguson. They mm. put on like a Mickey Mouse hand and wave at each other. And it was like this inside gag, right? Like let them like too sweet to the guys over at AEW and let it like because there's a way you could pick up more. I bet t-shirts would sell more and on both sides, both sides could have this thing going where you let them be, you know, it's like Hunter and, and Shawn Michaels talking to Hall and Nash. Mm. and throwing up the two sweets and everything like that like 
I think we could have a a rejuvenance of like something like NWO and DX where they were kind of the same and they were intertwined and they weren't necessarily against each other you know talking to each other over the screens and everything and it that was one of the cool things about uh, the late 90s wrestling was there weren't those barriers any other general thoughts on raw or extreme rules or are you good to move on to a different door well the the u.s title i'll just clarify really quick the u.s title went to seth because i don't think brock is u.s title like i don't see brock lesnar losing that match Nope. Nope. And you can't have him win the U.S. title and then screw off to his farm for another three months. So Mm. that's why the this is oh my gosh, this is a rare occasion where WWE actually said, you know what? This match doesn't need the title. (laughs) It shouldn't have the title. That is fair. But I am okay. so just to clarify one of the comments earlier, too. I'm interested to see what happens with Liv Morgan because she laughed at the end of her title match, losing her title. She's going a little crazy. <laughs> she's There's so rumors. crazy. Or <laughs> she's just really into choking. I'm okay with either. Um, <laughs> but like now we're seeing a little bit more character development. Uh, I am cool seeing where Riddle goes because Randy Orton may not even come back uh, from his injury. There is some talk that he like he's going to need time. So Riddle now get rid of the RK bro mentions, get rid of the Randy Orton mentions. And that's a great feud if Rich, if uh, Randy Orton does come back, you know, you forgot about me. You stopped calling RKO out of nowhere. But- <laughs> hey, Slim, what's the matter? You stopped calling. <laughs> oh, God. Here's a signature on the starter cap. Um, Beautiful. There's, uh, it was a good reset button on Monday to uh, to move forward a lot of people, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to see what they do with it. I just hope that the rumors that are out there that we're getting a faction and the faction represents the puppets from the Firefly Funhouse, which apparently everybody in the Firefly Funhouse died <laughs> except they showed up in the in the crowd, so they're actually really alive. And, but the puppets are dead. Like fucking Reddit with like <gasps> rabbit backwards is Tabar. T bar. Like red. Well, and there was you. You'll know the there's a, a tag team that was a I guess one of the three man tag team champions. There was two guys from there, and they're like, oh, the one guy was built like the fiend, and the other guy could easily be the buzzard. It's like, guys, like, screw off with this. Like, they're, I don't know where this came from, but, and I hate that I'm going to mention his name, but BBG, who's like dying to be on this podcast, who will never be on this podcast, but I'm going to mention his name, B Brownies Gaming, uh, came, like, he saw something on Reddit or online, and it's like, uh, Dexter Loomis is the buzzard, and, uh, who's, uh, Gacy. From NXT mm. is going to be Huskus and just like just let it go. Just let me enjoy how this pans out. Because even seeing the puppets in real life, I'm like, fuck, we're getting a faction out of this. And it I hope it's not I just want the white bunny or the bunny from all of this to just be the bunny from Adam Rose's like Congo <laughs> line. <laughs> like, I'm good with that. Let me have that. You know, he's gotten into the booze a little bit and, you know, found his way through Bray Wyatt. So, yeah, I As that's know. out of all of this. That is the last thing I want to see. We'll move on to uh, to door number three. I don't know if we'll have time for door number one. Oh, the uh, one door number three like, <laughs> being our uh, our AEW discussion here after. Another interesting week in AEW land because, uh, yeah, it was an interesting week. Highlights include John Moxley signing a five-year extension with the company. He's going absolutely nowhere and certainly a phenomenal signing for them 
uh, given, you know, honestly, some of the circumstances, right, that have happened in the uh, the past month or so. Now, now's a good time to uh, there's, there's a guy you want someone like that. There's a guy you want straightening that ship mm. there. And Tony Khan's talked about who the three guys who have kept that company afloat through all of this. Jericho, Danielson and Mox. So mm-hmm. locking up Mox for five years, especially with all the rumors of uh, contract tampering and everything like that. Uh, that's hopefully that's a catalyst to seeing some true change in AEW that it needs over the past three months. You also had what I thought was a pretty damn good edition of Dynamite. There was a lot more focus on the women, multiple segments, setting stuff up for down the road. Thought that was significantly better. You know, that is the type of focus that people have been talking about. So when it finally happens, talk about it in a positive way. Instead of just like, oh, well, yeah, they were positive this week, but next week they won't be. Like, I can't stand when people do that. They gave you what you wanted. Now, I get that some people could sit here and say that we had a similar argument with the likes of a Bray Wyatt, but at the same time, I don't think those are a direct correlation between one another. Like, it's not the exact same situation. We we did get what we wanted. We want Bray Wyatt back. Hmm. Yeah, that's, so, that was the cool part. Who cares if he took a minivan or a Porsche? Right? Like, he he's back. Let's see what they do with him, and hopefully they don't screw it up again. There was some great wrestling. I don't know if you caught the Wardlow-Brian Cage match. That Two was a- meaty men. <laughs> Two meaty men. That's all we need. Uh, you I'm had good. the acclaimed with their national scissoring day, which it's still unbelievable how over all of that is. By the way, go back to Raw. DX was one of the themes. I'm not sure yeah, if you saw, but Shawn Michaels no. put up the scissor Did he? when they were talking about uh, badass Billy Gunn. Oh, good for them. So the, the uh, idea of like, like you can you can wave at the other guys and they'll wave back and that's cool. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, twenty five years of DX. I'm just like, eh, okay. <laughs> what like? <laughs> you want to get somebody over? Get DX in the ring and let them get obliterated as old men mm. by anybody mm-hmm. but the Judgment Day because that is still a tor- terrible faction. So all the positives for Dynamite there, all the positives for AEW in general, still a little bit overshadowed by uh, another backstage altercation. Let me guess, Uh, was it Sammy Guevara again? Yeah, yeah, it was. Was it it Sammy Guevara? (laughs) So, you know, in this instance, you know, there are mixed reports out there. You know, a lot of reports saying like, hey, Sammy didn't fucking escalate the situation at the arena that's why he wasn't sent home like Andrade was um my wish out of all of this and it's easy to say you know completely removed from the situation my dream scenario is is Tony Khan saying I'm not gonna lay down and take this shit again like he did (laughs) at at the brawl out press conference Um, you know if if somebody takes my stapler one more time. I really do think the best thing for that company, and it wouldn't happen, but is a scenario where there's a company-wide meeting, and it's just flat out laid out. If you don't want to be here, leave. And WCW, I believe, did that once before. Might have been even WWF. I'm not sure. All I know is Raven. I think it was WCW, because Raven was the one to get up and walk out and leave. That is uh, TNA Hall of Famer Raven. Mm, yeah, sorry that uh, Tom for Glory happened this week, and we're not talking about it because I, 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 I didn't know how good the product is. Just no, it's not happening yeah. at this point. Sorry. Um, I think that'd be the best thing is just sit there and say, you know what, fuck it, you want to leave? You think the grass is greener? Get out. We only want people who are all in on this. It wouldn't happen. I yeah, but I, I, we, I think we talked about this too, like. UFC trading contracts at one time. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, Demetrius like, Johnson for uh, Ben Askren. Why not AEW and WWE? 
sit down at a table and say, this guy's unhappy. He wants to go over there. We want this guy. He's unhappy there. We want him back. How does this look? Do you want this contract? And they swap contracts like it's I I don't know the legalities. I'm not going to pretend to be a lawyer. Right. But you hear there's there's names on both sides that want to jump ship. Oh, I think uh, AEW would be glad to trade Andrade for uh, Mustafa Ali. 100%. I think that'd be a great trade for every party involved. 100%. Except Mustafa Ali, because he'll get into the whole... He'll get, like, one or two marquee matches, and then he'll be on Dark by January. <sighs> Depends on how many people are unhappy with their spot in AEW. It's fair. But you know, look if, at... if. A vast majority of those WWE signings want to go back. Hey, go back. Whatever. We made, we made t-shirt money off you. Fuck it. Go ahead and leave. Look go at back. Kip Sabian, though. Kip Sabian was on Dark yeah. this past week. He had a marquee pay-per-view. Was it pay-per-view? Uh, it was, it was all the was pre-show for the pay-per-view. <laughs> oh, fair. Fair. But, I mean, you want to put importance on your title? Don't put the guy who wrestled for two weeks ago on dark <laughs> you're not wrong so i i think i think aew is reaching critical mass now i'm not saying that it has to be this guy but i think you need a eric bischoff type of person who doesn't want to be on camera but who can run the backstage stuff we've said it a hundred times that tony khan wants to be everybody's buddy and doesn't actually want to run a wrestling company he thinks he can, and he thinks he's doing a good job until everything blows up. You gotta have somebody in there. Like, I don't know if the right comparison is here, but like a Bruce Pritchard. Like, somebody who can just run the ship and answer to Tony Khan. Mm. In almost like a Vince McMahon kind of way, which is an unfair uh, correlation, but you just need somebody to just take the day-to-day off your hands, and you just be the money guy and enjoy the product. It is a shame, again, that they continue to put out good product on TV and it just gets overshadowed by some of the stuff and it kind of just goes along with what I've said over the past couple of weeks. You know, AEW has been significantly easier to enjoy if you're not so plugged into the uh, internet side of things. Fair. Fair. We got time for door number one. Yeah, door number one. So I thought this would be an interesting one because, you know, our first ever show, we talked about the idea of, hey, let's go back and talk about something that happened a while ago. We just passed another 25th <laughs> anniversary. Crash, do you know what this anniversary is? It's gotta be. That's mm-hmm. gotta be Kane. <laughs> October I 5th. Wait. I can't wait to see where this goes. <laughs> well, yeah, me too, right? For that matter. But yeah, we just passed the 25 year anniversary of Bad Blood in Your House. Featuring, oh, one hell of an undercard that I want to go back and watch. The Nation of Domination, D'Lo, Kama, and Rocky Mayavia against Hawk and Animal, the Legion of Doom, and a handicap match. <laughs> Guess the Legion couldn't find uh, Puke. Puke wasn't ready for prime time. Or was that, was that well, before? Well, Tros, Tros was Puke. He was known as Puke when he was in the He's Road Warriors. Can you imagine sitting around that table and just watching Vince get off on that and watching the other guy right beside him just go red and stuff coming out of his mouth like Mm. foaming and (laughs) to be a cameraman, right? Right. (laughs) You had a tag match in the minis division. Max mini and Nova. Um, defeating Mosaic and Tarantula. It can't be Tarantula. It's got to be Tarantula. Hold on a sec. (laughs) This isn't the pay-per-view where they announced Brian Pillman's death, was it? Oh, yeah. Because that was was the match that came out afterwards because I remember watching the video of Vince. Vince is an amazing actor. Like, his concern while still going, okay, so... When I'm done talking about Brian Pillman, throw out the mini wrestlers <laughs> like and you sit there and you spend 30 seconds talking like Brian Pillman was found dead 
at his hotel room earlier today. Mm-hmm. And like JR has the amazing task of getting any wrestling over. Wow. Which, in fairness, the four of these guys, incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the more, really some of the more famous ones to do it. I mean, particularly um, the person uh, who wrestled in this match known as Nova is um, Masquerita Sagrada, who was brought back to WWE when they tried the juniors division in 2005. <laughs> um, yeah, just some incredibly talented people that they used as nothing nothing but a laughing stock despite the fact they were putting on the best matches on the card <laughs> right right but yeah i just i but it I was funny when most... one of them sat in jerry lawler's lap like he was a child you know it was great time. yeah and and don't get me wrong the most disturbing image from brian pillman's passing away was on monday night raw the, mm-hmm. the monday that followed but to watch Many rest and uh, I'm not taking anything away. I'm not trying to be derogatory. It didn't matter what match was coming on after that, but it happened to be mini wrestling Mm -hmm. after the announcement of Brian Pillman passing away. Well, the lion just mauled somebody. Here's uh, (laughs) here's the clowns funneling out of the car. (laughs) You know, (laughs) um. The Godwins defeated the Headbangers for the tag titles. Fucking sign me up for that one. I don't think I ever told you this, but one of my friends got spat on by Henry O. Godwin at uh, Canadian Stampede. They were on the undercard for that, and as they were walking past, my friend put his hand out for a high five and got <laughs> loogied on out of the side of his mouth. It was so impressive because it wasn't like he turned his head and spat. He like that is... spit out of like like a tobacco spit it was amazing that is incredibly gross it's <laughs> <laughs> my claim to fame oh and hart defeated farouk for the vacant intercontinental title no recollection of that at all no oh baby the disciples of apocalypse beat los bariquas in an eight-man tag <laughs> how come we're not talking okay so we're talking about the 25th of kane we're talking about uh Brian Pillman. We're talking about the 25th of DX. Yeah. Why aren't we talking about the 25th of the nation, Los Puricos, and DOA? Because they never really amounted to too much. And racism. <laughs> <laughs> that, that has a little bit to do with it. Given that this entire storyline, let's be honest, was the white bikers against the angry blacks against the Hispanics. That was the storyline. Fair. No shit they don't talk about. You want to talk about X-Pac and and blackface portraying Mark Henry? Uh, I love that you started this segment with Kane as well and we got here. Yep. You said you were excited to see where it goes. Well, here we are, champ. Be careful what you wish for. Oh my gosh. And I the, love uh, the, the last match before the main event, I can't call it with anything more prestigious than that, was Bret Hart and Bulldog defeating the Patriot and Vader, the great tag team of the Patriot and Vader. Where were we? My son actually found a Dell Wilkes mask and i almost bought it to wear it because you and i can see each other nobody else can right so uh-huh. i almost bought it just so just so that when the screen when the camera came on to surprise you and challenge you to a <laughs> flag on a pole match <laughs> so i then hate myself as a canadian this pay-per-view sucked yeah until the main event, a 30-minute, five-star classic, the last five-star match the WWE would see from Dave Meltzer until John Cena CM Punk at the 2011 Money in the Bank in Chicago, which is controversial because of uh, Taker and Sean. Classic of a match in every sense. It's the first Hell in a Cell, delivered on all accounts, two of the best of all time, just knocking it out of the goddamn park. Mm-hmm. With unfortunately the wrong winner because Survivor Series would be next month. Uh, <laughs> but 
but just an absolutely incredible match itself that I have seen no less than a dozen times. So good. I think, I think, okay, so we can tie this into Bray Wyatt where you, the buildup for this as well, we got was 18 months of Paul Bearer <laughs> saying Kane is coming. We got plastic surgery Paul Bearer because he wasn't mm. pie, he wasn't white face. He didn't have the mustache. He didn't have the dark hair. It was just Percy at his best. And uh, if that was Percy at his best, then oof. Well, just Percy, not Paul Bearer. Yeah, not fair. Um, talking about Kane. Talking about Kane. Kane's alive. You you burned your parents. Kane's still alive. Blah blah blah. The build up mm. was okay. The build up got somewhere that we kind of knew that something was going to happen at this match with the Undertaker involved. At least we knew it was the Undertaker as opposed to Bray Wyatt. We still don't know what he's going to do when he comes back or why he came back. Mm-hmm. But it's again, it's one of those things that they'll always do is get two amazing workers in the ring, have an amazing match. And it's ruined by a storyline that there's no, like the Undertaker went on to have some amazing history with Kane, some great matches down the road, Stone Cold, Mankind, he was in DX for a while, but Mm. like there, I just, I, that's what I hate is, you know, again, you wait until the. I'm just thinking here, like, you wait till the end of the match. Well, I mean, of course it's going to be the end of the match, but why not when the bell rang? Why didn't Kane just come out and just ravage the ring? You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather see 30 minutes of an amazing match and see some sort of pinfall, some sort of, like, clean, if you're going to do that. If you're going to go the other way, get it over with. Just do it. Because... Mm. Otherwise, I've invested too much time and it feels like it feels very cheap at the end. But we didn't know that Kane was going to have the career that he did in the ring. And uh, I mean, again, I'm glad that we got to see wrestling Kane. Not as a dentist and not as a fake diesel. It was a fantastic character as far as I'm concerned. Oh, it's an absolutely amazing character. I mean, the debut was perfect. The follow up was pretty damn good all the twists and turns that character would take it was you know th- that original character is one of my first favorite wrestlers mm-hmm. if not like childhood me's favorite wrestler right because i liked watching ray mysterio psychosis on wcw they had the mask but then here's the seven foot tall giant of a man with a mask who would still jump off the top rope and impress a fashion amazing Shame what Glenn. happened to the real guy. Probably a few too many chair shots to the head. I was going to say Glenn Jacobs was athletic. Hoping that it would set you up for something like that. Oh, the fucking. Oh, he's still athletic. The mental gymnastics that fucker goes through on a daily basis. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, too, there's there's just some topics I don't think we should talk about on a podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, little inside. Uh, hey, he was reelected in August. He's doing fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But yeah, I don't know. That's a shame. One hell of a one hell of a debut and one hell of a character. Yeah, what happened to the guy afterwards? Well, what are you gonna do? But it's fun to look back. This be like the twenty fifth anniversary of Kane's debut, because they don't want to say the twenty fifth anniversary of Bad Blood because the rest of that show is tragic. Right. Right. I love to like Vince's play of that to like, oh, that's gotta be Kane. That's gotta be Kane. Like, like, what if it wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't. Okay, fun fact. I, I'm full of useless knowledge. Fun fact. Did you know that the Undertaker, when he first originally came out, was known as Kane, mm-hmm. the Undertaker, for mm-hmm. like the first two untelevised matches. And then they just realized they can just call him the Undertaker. Mm. But what kind of like would that have been a butterfly effect to change the course yeah. of Mark Calloway and where he 
ended up with his career if he was Kane. Like, I mean, that's one of the earliest like, known versions of turning Austin Theory into Theory. Vince was pulling that shit back in the 90s. <laughs> the Dingo Warrior? Remember that? You know who that is? <laughs> Thank the God Austin he wasn't Warrior. the Dingo. <laughs> Hogan, the plane. I am the Dingo Warrior. <laughs> what was what my would WrestleMania be? 6 have been? It couldn't have been the, the Dingo <laughs> Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> the, couldn't have been the ultimate challenge the dingo warrior versus the unstoppable force <laughs> Hulk Hogan I will eat your baby <laughs> dingo eat my baby I just I love the promos that ultimate warrior ended with <laughs> oh god yeah it's the sound the dingo makes fun fact <laughs> I've never met one so that's the mating call uh, <laughs> Oh, God. Holy fuck. Well, I can think of no better way to end a podcast than that. Can you? Well, maybe one. Um, maybe one idea comes to mind. Maybe one. Okay. Well, of course, I'm not ready. No, <laughs> no, that's perfectly fine. Uh, that you know, said, the, the image, let's, let's change it a little bit. But the image, okay. speaking of Ultimate Warrior. Was your favorite moments of Bobby Heenan? Were they more behind the mic, or were they more when he got involved in matches such as? Didn't he wear like Ultimate Warrior had a match and got put into a weasel suit? Yes, yeah. At the end of it, um, the commentary, I, commentary he, for me, like he was fantastic as a manager. Obviously, arguably the best manager of all time. But he and Gorilla Monsoon on commentary. Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah. Like you just. It's so tough to top that tandem. In terms of of commentary, I don't know, like, you know, Jr. and Jerry Lawler came close. Yeah. Yeah. But I man, I don't know. Like, like the idea. I just love looking up the random quotes, like uh, from commentary uh, on a Virgil match. You win some, you lose some. Unless you're Virgil, you lose all of them. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was amazing on the mic, but I think he was like as far as the physical comedy. Like Santino Morella comes to mind. I'm trying to think, like maybe the Bushwhackers or whatever, like. There were some very good physical comedy uh, wrestlers in there. But once mm. you got like just the shades of. Um, it was it was still WrestleMania six. It was at or seven at the Sky Dome. It was seven. Six. Right? Yeah. Six uh, at the Sky Dome where they had to have those mini rings cart the mm -hmm. wrestlers to the ring. Yeah. And. Andre the Giant turning on Bobby Heenan and kicking him out of their go-kart <laughs> or whatever. Mm -hmm. And just the reaction, like, Heenan would... Heenan's physical comedy uh, was only matched and bettered by his quick wit and, and his brain. Ironically enough. <sighs> so, Crash, as we wind things down... Yes, sir. What what are you up to? Where can the people find you? Uh, that is a great question because I'm I am taking not necessarily a break off Twitch. I'm enjoying this. Um, Twitter.com slash crash underscore Andrews and uh, the YouTubes. Uh, just search Crash Andrews on there. I think it's what is it? Uh, YouTube slash S or user slash Crash Andrews. Typically. I mean, I think you can still just do youtube.com slash the username, if I'm not mistaken. He's giving it Works a shot. Works for my channel, at least. There we go. <laughs> Biggie Toogie. Um, hmm. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, just this. I, I love Tuesdays, Toogs. I, I gotta pump your tires and give you your flowers, uh, so to speak, but uh, Tuesdays is a day that I look forward to for us recording this, because it uh, I laugh so bloody hard. Uh, and I get to vent over wrestling and how it doesn't necessarily meet 
my expectations, which I have learned over the last little bit. I expect a 10, get an 8, and I see it as a 3, and I, I, I have to fix that? Question mark? Mm. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, Twitter's probably the best way to find where I'm going to be and what I'm doing. And how about you, Tugi? I am everywhere at Tugi24, trying to find the motivation, especially to care about NHL 23. Easier said than done. Goddamn. Um, <laughs> now, do you have the quote to end the show? If you don't, I have one it. that really wraps up this show in a perfect little bow based off of our bad blood discussion. Go for it. Well, speaking of racism, in the words of Bobby the Brain Heenan, until next week, everybody, thank you for listening. And in the words of Bobby the Brain Heenan, Tito Santana is like a cue ball. The more you strike him, the more English you get out of him. Oof. Oof. No, it's fine. It's it's what Bobby Heenan said. I didn't say it. It's what Bobby it's Heenan true. said. <laughs> How about Coco Beware? His mom's first name was Tupper. Wow. Mm. Wow. Mm. Tupper Beware? <laughs> oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> we have an episode titled, Thanks for listening to Tupperware. We'll see you next week. Tupper Beware. <laughs>